Get ready for a no BS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. What is up? We're back on NBS Fitness Radio. I'm here with Brad and Madison from the Cole Pain Therapy Group. And uh, I'll tell you, Brad's, Brad's been involved at, in, in our business for a while now, probably four or five years, something like that. And I've personally gone to Brad uh, for a lot of my uh, aches and pains. Brad, tell us kind of your background, how you got involved in chiropractic, and yeah. just kind of give us the lowdown on what you do. So, yeah, something about me. Um, yeah, born and raised here in Memphis and uh, went to ECS, ran uh, some track and a little bit of cross country and ran around. I played some rugby in uh, undergraduate Mississippi State. Very cool. Had a good time with that. Also continued playing rugby for a men's club later on while I was at chiropractic school. Nice. Okay. Um, what made you want to get involved in chiropractic? So my father's a chiropractor. Yep. Yep. And my grandfather was a chiropractor. Wow. And my uncle. So it's, and some cousins. Yeah, so everyone. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um yeah. I wanna come back and ask you about your your grandfather, but Madison, you're new. I, this is the first time I've I've met you. Tell yeah. me your background and kind of how you got involved with, with cold uh, pain therapy. For sure. Um, well, my background is similar to Brad. I grew up playing sports, um, whether that was soccer or water polo or swimming, some biking, all over the place. You're not from Memphis. I'm not. When you I'm, say water polo, I'm like, you're not from Memphis. Not from Memphis. <laughs> I played water polo in Cleveland, Tennessee, which okay. is still obscure. Um, and then went to college for... ESL, teaching English to speakers okay. of other languages, uh, but eventually realized that my passion was for nutrition and sports, and cool. so I pursued a career in fitness and did that for a while, um, and eventually was certified through Precision Nutrition. Ah, yeah, very cool. That's yeah. awesome. And so I was going to cold pain therapy group and seeing Brad as a patient uh, for dry needling. And after I had been involved in CrossFit for several years, my husband and I do that together. Very cool. And needed some help with my pain. And yeah. then we got to talking and I told him I was doing nutrition. He's like, well, hey, you know, would you ever want to partner with a chiropractor? We yeah. would love to have someone who knows about that. Awesome percent. What do you do uh, CrossFit at? Um, right now I do CrossFit at Sopo. Okay. And yeah, yeah. I coach some there too. Heck yeah. Do you, y'all, y'all live in Germantown? Uh, we live close to Germantown. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. All right. Awesome. Good to meet you, Madison. Thanks. All right, Brad. Yep. Tell me like what it's like having, um, or I guess from your grandfather's perspective, like, because chiropractic is not that long old of a profession or at least not in the current framework that it's, that it's like practiced in. So like, it'd be interesting to kind of hear like, Maybe his perspective from your perspective and like how he's seen got the kind of profession change. Oh yeah. I mean I had the the benefit of, of you know, every Sunday after church sitting there with my grandfather and my, my father, and my uncle, and you know, they were all in practice and they would, you know, solve all the world's problems. like <laughs> uh, over the course of uh, some fried chicken. And um it, it was it was really interesting to see from his perspective how things were going. And yeah. and I'm quite a blessing too to to know that my grandfather and my father and my uncle they were very involved with uh, chiropractic in Tennessee with legislation with nice. uh, with the Tennessee state board and so they were looking at these regulations and laws and and uh, even the relationship with the insurance companies uh, over the course of years and evolving it and shaping it into what we now have yeah. as uh, a, an excellent profession to help people in 
need. Yeah. I mean, you know, back pain, neck pain, headache is a major issue in our modern society. And I think back pain is the number one like reason for people uh, going on disability. Oh, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for disability for sure. And then when it comes to like overall expense, it's it's just behind diabetes and cardiac disease when yeah. it comes to to like overall expense. So when um, did how old, like mm-hmm. what decade did your grandfather start doing chiropractic? Uh oh. Okay, so he was. Uh, let's see, one of the first chiropractors. He came over from Korea, went to chiropractic college, started practice. Uh, maybe. Um, I guess late fifties. Dang. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mid fifties. That's, that's awesome. Mid fifties. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so kind of give me the, the lowdown on chiropractic therapy. Mm-hmm. What are some of the misconceptions about it? Mm-hmm. And, um, like how do you use it to, to impact people or, or help people, you know, reach their health and fitness goals? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so some would say, right. Some would say, I've heard sometimes, uh, some would say that perhaps it's cookie cutter approach. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where like you talk to a friend who went to a chiropractor and you're like, well, what happened? What, you know, tell me about it. And then you hear about it and you think, oh, that's exactly what I'll experience. Yeah. Right. Or maybe I don't need that. It doesn't sound like it's quite right. Um, whereas, and you know, Madison's been in our office for, for a while now. She knows that you know, people come in and we sit down go through a health assessment, talk yeah. to them, figure out what their goals are. Yeah. Because there's a variety of treatment techniques and things that we can do. I mean, obviously, chiropractic manual treatment, chiropractic adjustments is what, you know, what pe- most people think of. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Madison does nutritional consultation. Yeah. So, which is great because I have patients that come in and they have – an issue that would be best addressed with nutritional change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you see it in the gym every day, yeah. right? And so now we have that intervention too. And that's always been there. Chiropractors have, have been the leader when it comes to making these health recommendations, you know, just table side and, yeah. you know, talking about nutrition, talking about lifestyle and, you know, the things that people can do on their own to help their health. Yeah. And, um, you know, unfortunately, just the, just the pace of a lot of uh, other other medical disciplines, it doesn't really allow someone to slow down and, and, and chat through somebody's um, you know, health history and give them options of yeah. things that they can do on their own other than drugs and surgery. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you a story. <clears throat> I think I might have told this story before, but we had a client who was having some like, ankle and foot pain. And so he went to an orthopedic, orthopedic. And they were like, well, we think this is it. Put him through a bunch of PT, didn't work. We tried this and just kept kind of going through it. And then finally, he went to a GP. They were like, "Let's run some blood work." And they're like, "Yeah, you got gout." <laughs> so, so we f- we fixed it nutritionally, uh, <laughs> but um, but I think one of the issues that the current medical system has is that it is so segmented that that. Um, you know, everyone sees things through the lens of which their 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 training is in. So if you're an orthopedic, like, and someone comes to you with the with the ankle problem, like, it's probably an orthopedic issue, right? <laughs> I would assume, you would assume that exactly right. I mean, if you're holding a hammer, everything looks like a nail, yeah. and and that's just human psychology. It's not right or it's not wrong, but yeah. what what exactly right? Because the patient or you know somebody with a question. Uh, doesn't know who to start with because bec- you know all of these different provider types were all siloed yeah, oftentimes. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's um, 
I think it's, I, I like working with other people like y'all. And one thing I love about Jill's clinic is you do kind of take a more whole picture account. And admittedly, there are some chiropractors. They're just kind of like the crack and pop come in. Everyone gets the same adjustment. We're kind of feeding you through. Um, and unfortunately there is a bit of, um, because that's where our medical system is kind of set up. There's a bit of that expectation. A lot of people, they're like, what is, what is the one solution that you're going to be able to provide me to fix the, the current symptoms that I'm, I'm having. And some of that conversation is like, well, here's the deal. Like you're, there's all these things you're not doing that you should be doing. They're like leading to this. So like, I can give you some medicine and it'll, you know, it'll, it'll help your body absorb, uh, or help your body handle blood uh, sugar a little bit better, but it does actually solve the problem that you're over consuming carbohydrates and exercise enough. Right. Uh, and then a lot of times in the, in the chiropractic field, I would assume that you have people to go, I got this back pain. I just want you to fix it. You're like, well, we can help relieve some of that back pain, but we also need to have a conversation about like why this back pain occurred in the first place. And that's, I think that's something good that y'all y'all do. What are some of the other uh, services that y'all offer? Yeah, so um, so think about things, ways to address a pain without drugs or surgery. And if that's the case too, we'll, we'll also coordinate and refer to other medical specialists yeah. uh, for either injecting medications or neurosurgery. I mean, we've we're we've got the uh, the, the back door channels to anyone to get someone in quickly because if we need to send someone uh they need to go yeah and yeah, so yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. If, yeah. You need, if you need back surgery you need to go yeah they are uh we, we are on their christmas card list for sure <laughs> uh, but in general most people can benefit most from non-drug non-surgical therapy and that's what most people are looking for when they show up at our office in the first place which is great so uh yeah exercise yep nutrition and uh, manual treatment, yeah. basically. You know, other therapeutic and manual, modalities. Yeah. And manual treatment would be obviously adjustments, but then what other kind of stuff y'all do? I know you yeah, so like massage like, therapy. Yeah, anytime I put my hands on a patient. So we do have two excellent massage therapists. Mm-hmm. They're great. Excellent massage therapy. Uh, they're in the office. Uh, we do that also. Uh, but whenever I put my hands on a patient, sometimes it's an adjustment. Sometimes I'm grabbing a joint and moving it or mobilizing the joint. Yeah. Um, stretching a muscle and doing some uh, post-isometric relaxation of a mm-hmm. muscle. Uh, and then trying to cement that back into better function with some exercise or some type of a take-home. Okay, very cool. Yeah, but a lot of it really has to do with what the patient's goals are yeah. and what they want to do. Very cool. Uh, and I'm going to ask Brad a few more questions. Then we get to you, Madison. Um, so what to help people understand what is actually occurring when you do a chiropractic adjustment? Like when I hear a pop, mm-hmm. what has occurred? Well, so one misconception is that the bone is like out of place. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. So, and, and you know, for better, or for worse, a lot of doctors, a lot of chiropractors will, Describe it that way, right? Uh, but it's not exactly true. Right. Because you think about looking at your hand and wiggling your knuckle joints, yep. right? You move your fingers. It's not out of place or in place. It has a full functional range in yep. most cases. But every now and then a joint can get stuck. Yeah, yeah. When the, when the joint gets stuck, it becomes inflamed. Yeah. The muscles about the joint will tighten up and get sore. What's getting stuck? Yeah, there's... That's actually theoretical, okay. right? So sometimes the capsule or the lining about the joint will become 
uh, impinged. Uh, in the in the joint itself. In the joint, yes, yeah, correct. Yeah, there's some really good cervical models for that um, to understand what's going on there. Um, it's hard to say 100% okay. because, you know, by the time you have a dead joint there on the table to open it up, it's not... Right, it's yeah. not working like it did when it was alive. No, the so, guy bag, it feels stuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, but they, I mean, you know, biomechanics, they've loaded the mess out of some joints. And, and so a joint can become hypomobile because of adhesions, mm-hmm. because of muscle hypertonicity, because yep. of an acute uh, lock of the facet, because of some of the joint capsule gotcha. uh, being actually impinged. Okay. And when that happens, um, and we're talking about just one joint right, right, right. now. Yep. Uh, when that happens, it becomes inflamed, becomes sore. Uh, there is decreased um, pain suppression going on too. So think about like classic exa- example, you're in the car and you're stuck in the backseat of a small car for about eight hours. Like how does your back feel? How do your knees feel? How does your ankles feel? Right. Like I was stuck in the back of a car for eight hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all hurts. Everything's more sensitive, yeah. right? Because movement decreases pain sensitivity. Yeah. You go exercise, move around, otherwise healthy, you feel good. Yeah. Right? Because movement decreases that pain sensitivity. Now, when the joint is not moving appropriately, now there's, now there's, there's less of that dampening of pain sensitivity, i.e. more pain. Uh, that makes sense. More sensitivity. Uh, more localized swelling, localized muscle spasm. All right, that's just, just at that one joint. So now we take that same model and apply it across a chain of joints. Like yeah. the spinal column is like links in a chain. Some joints can be moving too much and yeah. not stuck, but maybe that's where there's more pain because yeah. it's unstable. Yeah, And that's next to another joint that's stuck. So all that being said, to simplify it, I put my hands on a spine. I move the joints to feel which ones are stuck, mm-hmm. which ones are hypomobile, yep. right? And then apply a thrust at that joint. And it's beyond the level of it being stuck, but a little bit, just a little bit beyond that, but not so far that it sprains the joint. Gotcha. So it's, yeah. it's targeted at that level. Yeah. So we can move the joint in a comfortable way that immediately, that it immediately decreases pain because of some neurological mechanisms like we just talked about earlier and improves the range of motion. And if you do this, it's kind of like if you have a tight muscle, you'd stretch it, you have a tight joint, you adjust it. If you go through a series of adjustments, the joint moves better and better. Yeah. And there's less of muscle spasm adjacent to it. So it balances the spine movement. Okay. But the the, the clicking. Yeah. What causes the sound? The clicking sound. So if you push your tongue to the roof of your mouth and take it off, all right, that you've made a gap. It's a negative pressure environment at the top of your mouth there. So it's called a cavity or a cavitation is the effect of making a cavity or gap. Yeah. Did it again. It's fun. Right? Yeah. I want to do that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Probably so not good for the listeners. The <laughs> joints, <laughs> the joints are at negative pressure. Yeah. This, uh, you know, if it's not too arthritic, it's at a negative pressure and that uh, provides some stability. But when you gap the joint, like if you gap your knuckle and then make it click. Yeah. It's, it makes a click, right? Uh, and so the click isn't really, ne- it's not necessarily therapeutic. Yeah. Uh, it's not an indication of a good thing or a bad thing. Um, if you just twist your, your back around anyway, right, the loose joints will click around. Yeah. That's not necessarily good or bad. Yeah. You know, if it hurts all the time, it might not be the best self-care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, right. But it hurts it's irrelevant. It <laughs> ideal. Correct. Or if you have to do it 20 times a day. Yeah, so. yeah. Okay. Um, what are... We're just some of the kind of like we're the biggest issues you see amongst active people. Or let me ask you this question: What are the biggest issues you see amongst active people versus the most common issues you see against uh, in inactive people? Or are they the same? 
Definitely not the same in most cases. Yeah. So I would say you know, active people um, going through a selective functional movement assessment, looking at movement is really the key because everyone moves to some level of competency mm-hmm. and uh, athletes and people who are moving really well, um, even more so if there's a problem, they'll work around it. Yeah. And in a lot of times the workarounds are fine. Yeah. No problems. All right. Your ankle's a little stiff, you know, then you just actually rotate your hip a bit more in the squat. No one cares. Yeah. Right. Until maybe that workaround then begins to cause some inflammation or that little bit of a niggle or a tightness or something that's not quite right. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, or then driving some significant derangement later on right. if you continue to load it. Right. So, I mean, the best way I take somebody who comes in the office and they're otherwise healthy and they move you know, pretty well. Nothing's inflamed. They're not limping in on a cast. Like, right. you know, they're not coming in on crutches. Right. All right. So that's a great time to go through this movement assessment. And I don't care if it's a foot pain only or only a headache. We'll do a global full body movement assessment, standardized test to figure out where those movement inefficiencies are. Right. And then that helps us to prioritize because, you know, people come in, they say, I should stretch more. Well, should they? Yeah. What and to what extent? Yeah, yeah. Right? right. And so if you do a good assessment, then you can know hey, you should stretch this, you know, get your hamstring stretched out as tighter on your left and your right. And then once you get to this point of stretching, then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Just check it every now and then. Yeah. Right. So that way they have a set point Yeah. to then reference. And so, I mean, that's somebody who's otherwise healthy yeah. and moving around. Now the people who are unhealthy because they don't move enough. Yeah. Uh, that's a whole different ball game. Then you look at all types of metabolic issues. And, you know, the thing about it is you take somebody who's not healthy at all right? They don't move at all. And then you get them to lose weight and exercise. They're doing the right things. They've, they've talked to Madison. They've got their, their nutrition squared away. And I encourage them that they will develop athletic aches and pains. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. Cause yeah. They're, like, they're, you know, they're just a little, cause they haven't moved well at all right. and everything's <laughs> stiff and rusty. And as soon as they start exercising, they're going to have a back problem. They're going to have a cervical disc problem. Something's going to go overall. Right. But Hey, better that than, Dialysis, right? Right. Yeah, I kind of made the joke of some people like, man, when do you stop getting sore? I'm like, I don't know. I've, I've been doing it 25 years, so I'll let you know <laughs> yeah. when I get there. But uh, I, haven't, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still sore. <laughs> so I still get aches and pains. Exactly. And, I mean, from a from a coaching standpoint and from what I do also is to try to educate people, hey, the difference between hurting and harming. Yeah, yeah. You know, is this a good sore or is this bad sore? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some people who have zero tolerance for discomfort at all, that's the hardest ones right. to work with because, you know, they can't you – know, you've got to stimulate the body – and then when the body recovers, it's going to get a little sore. Yeah. <laughs> the client, uh, Doug, he's been with me like 12 years now or close to it, like a long time. But like the first day he came and trained, we either did the 45 degree hyper or the reverse hyper, or maybe not the first day, but like early on in his, and he was like, he was like, no, you broke my back. I was like, definitely break your back. It's just, you got a pretty good pump going on and it's, it's, it's locking up a little bit on you. He was like, no, you injured me. I think I've, you know, I broke my back and might be paralyzed. <laughs> but he never had a back pump before. Um, that was also in my early days of training. I probably made him do something way beyond what he probably should have done on day one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it's interesting. Or another uh, example was, you ever watch, it was MTV, like, it's what they would transform people. Was it true? It wasn't, 
I can't remember the name of the show, but anyways, on MTV, what they would do is they would take someone who like, he was like the star football player who wanted to like become a uh, sing in a choir or they'd take like the kind of nerd who wanted to be like the star, f- you know, quarterback on the football team and they would get him a coach and they would like learn how to do all this stuff. And I remember it was so funny because every time they took the person who, like every time someone did do something athletic or really anything, they'd always set them up with a trainer who would like kick their ass on day one. And they'd always be like, I'm, I'm going to die. Cause they had never felt their heartbeat like go you know, over yeah. 120 for like extended periods of time. Mm-hmm. And they're like, for sure, this is a heart attack. Like, you just have these 16 year olds be like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. But they had never experienced it before. So, yeah. Um, all right. Madison. Yes. Let's talk nutrition. Okay. Okay. What are the biggest issues you see in your clients? nutritional um, plans, and how do you help them overcome them? That's a good one. Uh, I'll give you, we'll say top two or three. That works, yes. Across the board, whether active or not, there is extreme deficiency in fruits and vegetables. Okay. um, Which you can all imagine. You know, we all hear that, eat more fruits and vegetables. I think I have been surprised even more since I started um, that even people who know that, it's – they're, they're lucky if they get one serving of vegetables a day. Yeah. So that would be number one. Number two would well, be... Why, why do you think oh. that's the struggle, though? Yeah. A lot of times people... The biggest thing that I hear is I don't know how to prepare them so that they taste good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if someone else does it or if I get it from somewhere, that's usually better. Or they have a misconception that they can only eat spinach. And for some reason, spinach is the one that if I eat that, I'm healthy, but I don't like it. So I'm not going to eat any vegetables. Gotcha. (laughs) So really, it's like the onboarding of vegetables. You start with the easy ones like um, carrots. Carrots. Yeah, those are really easy. You don't have to cook them. You know, you can pair them with hummus or something and they don't even taste like carrots. That's a uh, that's a strategy I use for a lot of people like, look, just go buy the veggie tray at the store with a thing of hummus and just dip that roll thing in it and just eat that throughout the week yeah exactly so there's a really good one um that would be why is it usually taste yeah um or not realizing that if you mix vegetables in with other food they taste a lot better right yeah, so yeah. with you know chicken or beans or whatever make a bowl and yeah. it really gets a lot better yeah okay so fruits and veggies that's a big one yep the next one this isn't always the case um with active people, but surprisingly inactive people, because there is no drive in their metabolism for more energy, and they're not expending much energy. Yeah. And so they're a lot of times eating way lower than their base metabolic rate. So yeah, the, yeah. The, what they need to survive um, or to for their body to operate optimally, uh, they're eating way under that. Yeah. And that's just because of the American culture that says eat less, lose weight. Yeah, yeah. And they've done it for a period of time, and maybe they did lose 10 pounds, um, but it's not sustainable for them to continue to lose weight at that calorie intake. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I think – I'm trying to think of who – it might be Precision Nutrition where I was reading about this, but that the average person doesn't actually overeat calories – regularly in fact they under eat calories but because they under eat calories and they don't really exercise at all their muscle to weight ratio is so out of whack it's like you have no muscle and you're all fat yes and then what will happen is 
they'll under eat throughout uh, it's, it's periods of under eating with periods of overeating. Yes. So they're either under eat all day mm-hmm. and then snack, drink wine at night. Yeah, exactly. And you got no muscle and or no and no need for your body to store any of this as as glycogen, so it all gets put in as fat. Or it's you under eat throughout the week and you know uh, margaritas and Mexican food Friday night, or it's you're kind of going through these periods, and then over the holidays, you tend to overeat because there's a lot of stuff at food. You put right. on one or two pounds, and you just never get it off. Exactly. That is the biggest issue is that seasons of life, there are more, there's higher intake for whatever reason, whether it's holiday, birthday, vacation, and it slowly accumulates over time because they're not moving. Yeah. And the standard American diet is high in you know, processed carbohydrates, yeah. high in unhealthy fats, and those are not helpful for our body, so they just sit. Instead yeah. of an active person who requires healthy fat to recover yeah. because they their muscles need it, now you're not moving and you don't yeah. need it. Or who has opportunities to burn through that. Right. You know, if they, they you go out, like, you know, you went out and had Mexican food that, that Friday night, but the next day you end up going and doing a lot. Like, right. Yeah, it's it, going somewhere. It's, it may not be tit for tat, calorie for calorie, but like you're not you're not constantly stacking calories and weight. Uh, I actually just did a post about this, but the average American gains two pounds a year. Oh, I believe it. Which doesn't seem like a ton, but if you're if you're already overweight and or obese at let's say twenty five mm-hmm. or thirty, and you put let's say you're a you're, let's say you're a male who's two hundred and fifty pounds, and so you're you're definitely overweight, probably pushing on obese, uh, especially if, if you're at that 30% body fat. Mm-hmm. And then you gain, and that's it, you're at 30 or 35, and you gain two pounds a year. Well, by the time you're 65, you've gained 60, uh, 60 pounds. Ooh. So now you're 315 and severely obese. Mm-hmm. And I, the thing I tell people is like, when's the last time you saw an obese seven-year-old? Yeah, you won't have many years after that. Yeah, there, there's a reason there's no obese 70 year olds. Your body can only take obesity for so many decades before, at some point, your cardiovascular system typically locks up and you have a heart attack. Right. Yeah. Or your diabetes gets so out of whack that you have a heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Or we cut your foot off. Right. Uh, and then you definitely can't go do exercise. Um, all right. What's number three for you? Ooh. Number three, so we talked about vegetables, overall caloric intake. Yeah. Um, what was the question again? What was like the main issues you see in in some of your clients and how do you help them overcome? Oh, yeah. The b- biggest struggles, obstacles, and how, how do you help them overcome those? Well, I would say the third one, even though this isn't related to nutrition, it is, would be exercise or lack of. Yeah. Um, because because we do lifestyle education, nutrition is a part of it, but it's about your whole lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, and the biggest one would be people say – what they tell me is I don't know how or what to do for exercise. Mm. Uh, and so there's just a lack of education there and a lack of a culture shift that says, let's make this a priority both financially and, and with our time. Yeah. 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 A thousand percent. That's, that's kind of the big picture of America, right? For sure. It's just not a priority. It's not a priority until it's, um, uh, unfortunately it's too late. And then it's, it's, that's a tough, you know, hole to dig yourself out of. Um, mm. I'm still thinking about these vegetables. So <laughs> if I only use the carrot yeah. as a vector yeah, yeah. for hummus or cheese, that's okay, right? You have to eat the is this carrot. A, this is a baby's... Okay. Yeah, you have to eat the okay. carrot. You can't yeah. just use it as a... That's like my right. five-year-old. A vegetable. Yeah, 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 you yeah, can't yeah. just yeah. lick the hummus off. Like, yeah, that's, that's, uh-huh. that's what my okay. guy does. Sure. Yeah. He was like, can I get hummus? Are we having like pita? Which, I mean, 
he'll take the pita, he'll go. Yeah. And then he'll just I'm like, James, eat the pita. He'll go, pita down. <laughs> pita, uh-huh. just, yes. just hand spooning himself hummus. Like, dude, it's gross. Like, y'all eat that, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got to eat the carrot too. I think, uh, I like, one of the things that we try to kind of get across to people is um, sometimes I think people expect that, hold themselves to this high standard that, like, I should be able to do all this stuff. I'm like, yeah, maybe, but hey, let's face the reality. You're four years old and you're never doing it. You're not going to change the next 20 years. You know, like, this is probably how you exist. Uh, I'm in this space, and there's plenty of times where, like, I don't want to do that, or I I know how, but I just am not motivated to. So, like, it's not putting yourself in this position where it's like, your motivation is a callus for action. Instead, it's like recognizing, like, I don't like to eat vegetables. Um, so how can I ensure that I'm going to eat vegetables regardless of whether I like them or not? Right. Uh, or I need to eat healthy food, but I don't like prepping it. What am I going to do? And so, like, for me, that's kind of like where our family came to is like, we meal prep forever. And just like, man, man, like, we ended up taking up three hours every Sunday. And then we got kids. Like, there's time we lose with them. And it's like... But we still have, we have to do this. Mm-hmm. It's still like you something. You have to eat. Yeah. yeah. Well, and, it's, and, and, and for our family, it's a non-negotiable to be healthy. So it's like you finally got to find a way to eat healthy. We're just not going to not do it. So what do we do? Well, we get, we order from Amped. Like we get someone to meal prep it. Uh, you don't know what to, what to do or you're not motivated to go train. You get, get a coach. You get a guy mm-hmm. to kind of show you. Um, you're in pain. Go address that pain. And then figure out how to uh, to move past that so you can then continue to kind of achieve your goals. I think a lot of times we kind of like throw up our hands and go, this is so hard. You know, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's hard and I don't want to. And it's just, uh, and it's just like, hey, it is hard. But, but being out of shape is unacceptable. So find a way to like overcome that hard. Whatever your struggle is, whatever your obstacle is, find the thing that's going to overcome that. If you don't like meal prepping, pay someone to meal prep for you. If you don't know what you're doing, pay someone to show you. If you don't are not motivated, pay someone to keep you accountable. Right. Uh, like motivation, desire, all those things are going to constantly vary and wane. There's plenty of days. Like I don't care. I don't care if you're a. Uh, in all, if I don't care if you're a CrossFit Games athlete, you think they want to exercise every three hours a day, every single day? No. But they have things in place to kind of help help keep them accountable. Keep them accountable. So that's kind of the recognition of like. I know I need to get here and here's the things in my way. How do I, what are the things that help me get over those obstacles? That's right. why I like to kind of ask those questions. Like how do you help people overcome those obstacles? Cause people tend to kind of come to the obstacle and give up and think that's like, and, and socially we kind of accept that. We're like, like, yeah, it's just, I'm just, I'm just really busy. People are like, yeah, I know. But no one goes like, I'm just busy. It's like, who cares? Right. Everyone's busy, dude. Get your ass out of bed and go exercise before, before work starts. Right. You know? Yeah. It seems that those that are most successful with being just generally healthy, you know, like not the ones that are, you know, bodybuilders, something wrong with that, but the ones that are just generalist yeah. and, and being healthy, it seems like they've, they've figured out how to be resilient. Yeah. And, you know, if you're, if you're having a, you know, if you feel kind of run down, you don't want to hit the prescribed workout, then maybe just go for a walk or go for a run or hop on the road or, or stretch out or do something. Yeah. That's different. And if you have a lot of those options in your toolbox when it comes to, you know, dealing with an anchor pain, 
uh, changing up how you're prepping food, uh, changing up how you're exercising or recovering, yeah, then it's successful. Where those that keep you know stubbing their toe on it, they seem to have a binary approach. Yeah, all, all or nothing. Correct. <laughs> I'm on the plan or I failed. Yeah, yeah. And there's no other option. I call that the light switch approach. I yes. just flip the light switch on and off. I mean, so we gotta get off the light switch approach. Gotta get on the dimmer switch. Right. Light stays on, and we just adjust how bright it is based off of like what's going on in our lives from time to time. Yeah, exactly. We talk about this a lot in lifestyle education of what, how do I set goals instead of saying I'm not gonna have any dessert this week. How do I say I'm gonna try to have dessert three out of five nights a week? Yeah. And that just that takes away the all or nothing mindset. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um. And then after two to three weeks of that, you suddenly find yourself, oh man, I only had two desserts this week because I set my goal three out of five. Bingo. And now I realize I feel better, and now I don't want it. Yeah, I love that approach. That's that's awesome. All right, uh, let's wrap it up. And I, each of y'all share with me uh, a story of, of success. Like with some person you know that came in and maybe had like some serious back pain or had, had some really issues going on that you kind of helped them get through it. Uh, and then it's like some, some uh, story of nutritional success. I like to hear people's uh, stories of success. So Brad, who you got? We see it, see it every day. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's excellent success stories every single day. But I mean, in general, the like, the, 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 the quickest success is someone who has uh, a new back pain that scares them. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Can you give me an, like, like a specific story of success? A specific. Yeah, like a person. John. Tell their name. But John, you, I'll do like John. <laughs> John came in with new back pain okay. that, that, that scared him. Yeah. Really. Um, it's not something he had dealt with much in the past, but. Is he an active person? Yeah, he's getting more active. Okay, very cool. he's getting more active. He's been in the gym for a couple months now, lifting weights, and it wasn't a, a gym related issue. It was a laundry related issue. Just picked up some laundry. The wrong picked way. up the laundry. Okay. You know, pain hits him across the back, radiates gently into the posterior thighs. Mm. It's into his butt, and he sees his entire life flash before his <laughs> eyes as he drops down to his knees. Right. The first thought is, oh, crap, I'm paralyzed. Yeah, yeah. The second thought is, oh, no, I've got a bad back now. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've got, I've got to work. i got kids. Uh, I'm getting healthier in the gym. Yeah, this yeah. is all bad news. It's, you know, and my father had, you know, five spine surgeries, mm. and so he's got a bad context for this type of thing. Yeah. Right? That's what comes in the office. He's scared. He does not know what to do. Yeah. Like, he, he does not know how to fix his back or is this is all new to him. Yeah. Um, from that point. We can assess him, educate him, uh, address his fears, and give him the tools that he needs to overcome this thing and come out more durable on the backside than when he started. Very cool. And, and that's amazing because it's, it, it's one of these things that happens with regularity too. Yeah. But it's, 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 a, it's a pretty quick win when you can overcome uh, somebody's fears yeah. and also put them on the right track. Yeah, it came in with fear and pain and, and um lack of confidence and comes out with the opposite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Love it. All right. Madison. Yeah. Share me share a story. Uh yeah. So I had a patient who I started seeing. Um essentially she had lost twenty pounds on her own, which was awesome nice. over a consistent period of time, uh probably a year, of just making some lifestyle changes. Uh not necessarily exercise, but eating more whole foods, eating out less, and came to me but still wanted to lose twenty to thirty pounds more. Um and knew that was her goal, but had been trying and could not make any budge. 
And so we started meeting. Within two weeks, I realized that she was not eating enough. She had been intermittent fasting, which is a great tool, um, but when used incorrectly, can obviously have some consequences. And so we talked through that, and she was hesitant, but was like, okay, I'm going to listen, and I'm going to try this. And within the next two weeks after that, I had lost 10 pounds. Nice. And so she's still working away and making great progress. Um, and so similar to Brad, but just seeing someone come in with fear, especially when you're saying, hey, this is what you need to do to make progress. And they're yeah. like, oh, gosh, really? But they choose to trust uh, and then see the results they want. That's great. That's awesome. I call those um, title diets. Yeah. Yeah. Title so diets. You can tell me how you eat in one word. Mm-hmm. And um, the question's always like, can you eat like that for the rest of your life? Right. And the answer is no, then we got to have some kind of foundational nutrition that we can utilize. Again, like right. keto, intermittent fasting, whatever is a tool that we can be used from time to time. But exactly. it, it's rarely like the forever approach. Exactly, yeah. yeah that's awesome. You help someone. And, and there's a fear because, like, I know this worked. Right. I know this worked, and I'm, I don't know that anything else worked. But that's awesome. You kind of help them navigate through that and kind of go, oh. Right. I don't have to eat this crazy restrictive way. Yes. In order to reach my health and fitness goals. Exactly. Awesome. Very cool. All right, Brad, uh, share how people can get in contact with y'all and how they can kind of follow y'all. And um, again, if they've got issues, like how they can reach out and and, and, and get to y'all. Yeah, easily found online at Cole Pain Therapy Group. Or you can just Google me, Dr. Brad Cole, and uh, should pop up pretty straightforwardly. And uh, we love to... Um, if anyone has any questions, a scheduled time to come in, we can chat and make sure that they're in the right place and uh, find a plan that they really, really love and want to get behind. Awesome. Very cool. All right, guys. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Thanks. Hey, thank All you. Right. MBS Fitness Radio out. Thank you for listening to NBS Fitness Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.